Did something or someone stir up the forces of evil? These days, it seems the powers of darkness are working overtime against the children of light. Is it possible to stand strong in your faith when the heat is on and the culture is coarse? Daniel possessed a rare blend of character, courage, and competence as he grew up in a pagan culture, later serving as a high-ranking official in the Babylonian government. He outlasted kings, inspired friends, predicted the future, and escaped the lion's den. As the enemy prowls about like a roaring lion, remember, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Will you stand strong and dare to be a Daniel? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. How can you be in the world, but not of it? Answers come your way next on this Friday edition of Something Good. Hello and welcome to another great day of teaching from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. Well, you've joined us at a perfect time because today Ron begins his teaching series, Standing Strong. As believers in Christ, we're called to be a light in an ever darkening culture to impact the world for Christ without conforming to the world's image. Finding out how to do that is what this series is all about. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And now from the book of Daniel chapter one, here's Ron with his Something Good radio message, standing strong in a godless culture. I wanna take you back 2000 years ago to a little uh, undisclosed room in the city of Jerusalem. It's Passover time in Jerusalem, just hours before Jesus goes to the cross. And he's meeting with his disciples in the upper room. And he's having a conversation with them. And toward the end of that time together, uh, Jesus prays for his disciples. That conversation, that upper room experience is recorded in John chapters 13 through 17. And the prayer that Jesus prayed is found in John chapter 17. It's the entire chapter. Some people refer to it as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Other people refer to it as the real Lord's prayer. It's a fascinating prayer. It's it's an encouraging prayer as he prays on behalf of his disciples. In verse 14, he says, Father, I have given them your word And the world, are you ready for this? The world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And then he says in verse 15, Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. You ever heard the phrase, be in the world? but not of the world, that's kind of where we get it from, all right? The idea that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are living in this world, this fallen, sinful, uh, evil world, but we're not to be of the world. Uh, That's a a delicate balancing act, isn't it? Uh, To be in the world, uh, but not of the world. 
James tells us that if you want to be a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. Now try that one on for size. Uh, James, James suggests, and even Jesus suggests, there's no middle ground when it comes to following Jesus. You're either all in with Him or you're not. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. But it's hard to do, isn't it, to live in this world but not be of the world. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, and he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, starting with the truth of God's Word. Don't be conformed to this world. I love the way J.B. Phillips paraphrases it. He says, don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. Isn't that a great picture? You, you ever feel squeezed into the mold of the world in which we live in? You drink in too much of the world, suddenly your life begins to look very worldly. You're in the world and you're of the world, but we're to be in the world but not of the world. Jesus didn't pray that the Father would take us out of the world because, no, He says we're salt and we're light, and we need to be a a positive influence for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in the world in which we're in. But how do, you, how do you be in the world but not of the world? Today I'm beginning a brand new series of messages that has a single purpose, and that is to help us stand strong in our faith. Because what Jesus said to His disciples 2,000 years ago is still true today. The world hates Jesus. I know that's a strong word. That's Jesus' word. He said, Father, I gave them your word, but the world hates them. Jesus said earlier in the upper room, he says, if the world hated me, guys, it's going to hate you. If you ever thought for one reason that people were going to applaud you for your faith in Jesus, that maybe something might turn in our culture and in the media and people would start applauding people because of Jesus, that's nah, just not going to happen. Jesus never promised that. He said that, you know, we're, we're going to be following Him in the midst of a culture that is hostile to our faith. He said, but guys, I, I want you to hang in there. And He prayed for His disciples as He prayed for us at the same time. Uh, Father, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. He taught us to be in the world, but not of the world. I'm starting this series of messages called Standing Strong to help us stand strong in our faith. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but our, our particular culture, the one in which we live, is becoming increasingly hostile to our faith. Quite frankly, it used to be easy to be a Christian here in, in America. It really did. We called it cultural Christianity. Everybody went to church and everybody, you know, it's a good thing to be a Christian. A lot of people went to church just for the business context and all of that. If you were an agnostic or an atheist, you were you know, you didn't say that. That's gone today. What we call cultural Christianity is gone. And now the fangs have come out. And it's almost like it was 2,000 years ago, the same culture into which the church of Jesus Christ was born. Read the book of Acts. Oh, my, the apostles, the early disciples, the early followers of Jesus, they were in the world but not of the world. And the church was born into a culture that was hostile to the faith of Jesus Christ. They just crucified the founder. But if you go back even further, about five to six hundred years before the time of Christ, 
Uh, we find another culture that was hostile to the Hebrew faith and to, uh, to the Jews in the Old Testament that were following the one true God called Yahweh. But there were people back then that stood strong in their faith. I'm talking about a guy named Daniel and his, and his three friends that we know so much about. Uh, this series is rooted in the Old Testament book of Daniel. I've titled it Standing Strong because even before the early followers of Jesus and even before uh, many of us in this day and time were challenged to stand strong in their faith in a, a culture that was hostile to the faith, there was a guy named Daniel. Daniel, 2,500 years ago, that faced the same challenges. And we can learn so many uh, encouraging lessons to help us stand strong in our faith. I, I love this guy, uh, Daniel. Daniel was God's man in a godless culture. That's the best way to describe him. He was God's man in a godless culture. Now, it's interesting. Jesus refers to Daniel as a prophet. And when I hear the word prophet, I think of a prophet or a priest or a pastor, kind of a professional clergyman. But that's not Daniel. Daniel was not a professional clergyman. He, he was God's man in a godless culture and in a secular culture, in a secular vocation. Uh, we'll find as time goes on that Daniel, though he came to Babylon from Jerusalem as a, as a teenager, as he grew up and as he was educated and as God gave him favor, he, he, he began working in the Babylonian government. He was a government official for all the years of his life there. And he lived into probably his 80s and was in Babylon for maybe 60, 65, 66 years, some people estimate. He, he, he worked in the government. And he was God's man in a, in a, in a secular role, in a secular government. Well, that's an encouragement, I think, to every one of us in this room that God can use us even in a prophetic way, in, in, in a way to minister. You don't have to be a professional clergy to have a God use you and have an impact. In fact, uh, in many ways, when I made the decision uh, based upon the call of God in my life to leave the business world as I did in my mid to late 20s and enter into vocational ministry, I lost an opportunity for influence in that world. You have opportunities to influence people for Christ like Daniel did in ways that I never will as a pastor because that's not where my vocation takes me. Uh, Daniel is God's man in a godless culture. He is, as a, as a character, an Old Testament character, a unique blend of uh, moral character, uh, competence in the way he worked. Uh, he not only had the favor of God upon his, his life, but e even those in the Babylonian world, in the Babylonian government, recognized uh, how Daniel uh, distinguished himself above all the others, had a good attitude and a good work ethic, he had character, he had competence, but oh, did Daniel have courage, courage to stand strong in his faith when the pressure came on and when the heat was on and when the line was drawn in the sand and said, you will be loyal to the pagan gods of Babylon or else. And Daniel and his three friends inspire us as they uh, stood strong in their faith. Daniel outlasted kings. I mean, his ministry and his time in Babylon was, you know, upwards of six decades, and kings came and went. He inspired his friends. He predicted the future. 
God gave Daniel the unique gift of visions and dreams and being able to see into the future. And there's much in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel's kind of the book of Revelation of the Old Testament. There's so much Bible prophecy, especially in the latter half of the book of Daniel, chapters 7 through 12. And we'll get to those chapters. But God used Daniel to look into the future and to predict the future. And we're going to be amazed by the predictions he made that have already come true. And we can document that in history. But predictions that go all the way to the end of the age and that link up even with the book of Revelation in the New Testament. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Are you a new listener? If so, we'd like you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, take a look at Something Good Radio's 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can stay on the air the whole year through and share the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. Join the 828 Club from our website or feel free to give us a call at 757-276-1099. Again, that number is 757-276-1099. To truly understand how Daniel was able to stand strong in the godless nation of Babylon, you first have to understand the culture of ancient Babylon. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, standing strong in a godless culture. But Daniel, Daniel also escaped the fiery furnace, and yes, this is the one we love the most, he escaped the lion's den. All these great stories, maybe stories that you learned from your youth up, you know, in children's church and Sunday school about Daniel in the lion's den, and we used to talk about daring to be a Daniel. All of that is in here. I mean, Hollywood couldn't come up with a better script than the book of Daniel and the character of Daniel. And this book and this man's life and the stories that are preserved for us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and are contained here in the Word of God are as applicable to us today as they were 2,500 years ago when Daniel lived and when he served his God. Now let's begin in verse one. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, almost 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. The Babylonians, who were the military superpower of the time, invaded Jerusalem, the holy city of God besieged the city and took captive the best and the brightest of the Hebrews, took them back to Babylon and held them captive for 70 years. Verse 1 places Daniel and all the stories that we'll read about in a historical context. This is not mythology. This is not fairy tale. These are real people who lived at a real time in a real place. There are two cities mentioned in verse 1 and two kings mentioned in verse 1, and two sort of spiritual history lessons I want to draw from it. Number one is that the Bible is a tale of two cities, those two cities being Jerusalem and Babylon. Uh, you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and you find that there are two cities that quickly become center stage 
the city of uh, Babylon, which really started in Genesis chapter 11 as Babel. Remember when mankind gathered in the plains of Shinar and built that tower? Well, from that came not only the city of Babel and later the Babylonian civilization, um, but then there was another city at that time known, known as Salem, which later became Jerusalem. Babel or Babylon is known as the city of man, and Salem or Jerusalem is the holy city of God. And they both appear in the early chapters of Genesis, and they take center stage even at the end of the age, even in the book of Revelation. These two cities, Jerusalem and Babylon, become center stage. But between Genesis and Revelation, they rise, they fall, and they rise again. This is the story and the tale of these two cities. The uh, book of Daniel uh, begins in Jerusalem, then quickly it moves to, to Babylon, at the height of the Babylonian civilization. And um, when you fast forward to the end of the age into the book of Revelation and you see uh, the culture and the civilization, and yes, I even believe the literal city of Babylon rising up out of the ash heap of history and spiritual history. If you remember, Saddam Hussein, uh, the dictator of Iraq, rebuilt the city of Babylon. He was on his way. He saw himself as the new Nebuchadnezzar. And you can go there today, and there are actually physical buildings and shops and commerce. Uh, I believe, as many others do, that, that the literal city of Babylon will become center stage and will be one of three cities that the Antichrist will operate out of, Babylon, Rome, and Jerusalem, uh, to control the religious world, the economic world, and even the financial world. Uh, Babylon at the end of the age is called a mystery, and the book of Revelation refers to Babylon as the mystery of, pro or the, rather, the mother of prostitutes. The mysteries of Babylon are many, including uh, all the mysteries of Babylonian idolatry and pagan worship. Remember, this is the city of man, not the city of God. And the spiritual prostitution that it yields reaches full bloom in the worship of the Antichrist at the end of the age. That's Babylon. There's nothing mysterious about Babylon's end. Revelation chapter 18 and verse 2 says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons and a haunt for every unclean spirit. Why do I take you on that little journey? Because you need to understand the culture into which Daniel and his three friends were dropped. Daniel was God's man in the most godless pagan culture you can imagine at the time, when, when the Babylonian civilization and the Babylonian culture and the Babylonian superpower militarily that it was, was at its zenith. That's when God used King Nebuchadnezzar and this pagan culture and this pagan army to invade the people of Israel. Which brings me to the second lesson from spiritual history, and that is never confuse God's patience with His indifference to sin. The invasion happened because the Lord directed this pagan nation to go discipline His, his children, the children of Israel. Why? And why, why did He allow them to be taken into captivity for 70 years? Why so specific and why so long? Well, it had to do with the sabbatic laws. 
Remember, Israel was in a covenant relationship with God, and there were terms to that covenant relationship, some having to do with the Sabbath. They were to work six days of the week, and then they were to rest on the Sabbath day. We understand that from the, uh, uh, the creation story. But the sabbatic laws under Moses also had agricultural implications. They were to uh, uh, plant and plow and harvest the land for six years, and then the seventh year they were to give the land rest. And the Lord said, just trust me, I'll provide for you during that seven year. Can you imagine the faith that it took to say, we're not going to plant anything this year. We're not going to have a harvest this year, but the Lord will take care of us. But that was part of the covenant relationship. The problem is the Israelites had, had disregarded that part of the covenant relationship in the law for 490 years. They skipped 70 sabbatic years. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Standing Strong in a Godless Culture, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. Ron Jones' Discipleship Coaching Experience, Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. Ron takes you back to the fundamentals of the Christian faith and helps equip you to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples of others. That's Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. Look for it when you stop by somethinggoodradio.org. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. All of us here at Something Good Radio look forward to having you join us on our trip to the Holy Land. Visit somethinggoodradio.org for more information or to make a reservation today. The ministry of Something Good only exists through your prayers and financial support. So we want to say thank you for the ways in which you are standing with us. When you give a gift to Something Good Radio today, we'd like to offer you the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, Standing Strong. Again, that's all seven messages in Ron's teaching series, Standing Strong. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift of any size today. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Or call our offices at 757-276-1099. Here at Something Good Radio, we believe in the power of prayer. And today we'd like to pray for you. If you have a prayer request today, please visit somethinggoodradio.org and click on the How Can We Pray For You button so that our ministry team can join you in prayer. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar changed their names, he changed their identity, but ultimately he could not change their loyalty. And the great story of Daniel and his three friends is that they stood strong in their faith. 
They were in this world. They were dropped into just the most godless pagan culture you can imagine. Uh, there was no Christian education. There was no homeschooling. Uh, chances are their parents were gone. These guys are teenagers at this time. And Nebuchadnezzar thought, we've got them. <laughs> we've got them. We're going to school them. We're going to feed them. We're going to name them. We're going to culturize them. But they underestimated Daniel and his three friends and how loyal they were to the one true God. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, Standing Strong in a Godless Culture. Join us then for Something Good for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.